What's up, nerds, and welcome to Bible Thump for this week. My name is Mark, and I'm the lead and founding pastor over at Lux Digital Church. Over at Lux, for the past month or so, we've been talking about mental health and what the Bible actually says about mental health and our year-long emphasis on things the church doesn't usually talk about. Mental health is a touchy subject in our culture, and most of us in the gaming community are plagued by one form of mental health issue or another. A lot of us battle depression or fear, anxiety or addiction. Some of us can't sleep, and some of us just have other things going on that make day-to-day life a little bit harder for us. And we oftentimes don't think the Bible has a whole lot to say about mental health. But as it turns out, the Bible actually has a tremendous amount to say about mental health. And although the Bible itself is not a medical journal that's going to tell you what to think or what to believe or how to treat a specific diagnosis, we do see people who dealt with all sorts of mental health issues throughout the scriptures, whether that be Saul, who's tormented by an evil spirit according to the scriptures and seemed to have vast mood swings that would go back and forth where friends would become enemies and enemies would become friends, or some of the prophets like Jeremiah that clearly suffered from depression and anxiety, or many of the other biblical characters who faced very real, difficult mental issues. The Bible teaches us that we're split between three beings, body, meaning like our physicality and our senses, our soul or the seat of our will and our emotions and our thoughts and our spirit, which is the portion of us that connects with God. And the Bible has a lot to say about how those three parts are interconnected and woven together. And how they impact one another. So if your spirit is sick, it's going to impact your soul, your thoughts, your emotions, and your will. If you're physically sick, it can impact your spirit and make it difficult or more difficult to connect directly with God. And trauma in all three areas of our lives, spiritual in the soul and in our bodies, can have an impact on other aspects of our lives. Now, with all of that being said, while the Bible doesn't give you an exact understanding of what a medical condition is or a mental disability might be, what it does do is it gives you a role of life or a way of living, sort of a standard or a set of stipulations on how we should live. Because there's very natural and normal consequences in the physical, mental, and in the spiritual aspects of our lives when we live outside of the way that we were designed to live. Let me give you an analogy and a little bit of an example from a recent sermon that I preached at Lux. And we talked a little bit about the fact that I own a car. I have a Subaru Impreza Outback Sport. That's not important at all for you. Just know that I like my car despite not taking great care of it. But even though I don't take great care of my car, I don't wash it or keep it clean or do a lot of preventative maintenance on it, I do know that the car needs gas, it needs tires, it needs brakes, and it needs an oil change every now and then. Now, if I decided that I didn't want to live within those boundaries and replace the oil with, say, antifreeze and the antifreeze with oil, or I took a hose and filled up my gas tank, my car would cease to work. If I decided that I didn't want my car to go on the road anymore, but I wanted it to go into a lake and I drove my car into a lake, it could cause significant damage to the vehicle and even threaten my own life if I were trapped inside of it. Our vehicles and the things that we own, whether it be uh, the cup that might be sitting in front of 
of you with coffee in it right now as you're watching this video or the desk that you're sitting at that your laptop's on have a specific purpose. And when we try to use it for the purpose that it wasn't intended for, that has very natural consequences. Your desk can't be an airplane and your mug would look weird as a ball cap. And so with all of that being said, we were also created. God created us just the same as your mug was created probably in some factory or your desk was created and drawn up by a designer at one point. And we have design and intentionality and very practical things happen whenever we decide to live outside of our design and our intentionality. We under this understand this for sure with inside the physical areas of our life. If we never work out and if we use our bodies for things they weren't designed to do, if you jump off of a bridge and try to fly, your body wasn't designed to fly and you will, through gravity, fall to the ground or to the water below. But for some reason, we don't think this necessarily applies when it comes to our mental health. In fact, there's ways that God has made us and when we live outside of those ways, it wouldn't just have a dramatic impact on our physical bodies like when we jumped off a bridge, but it will also have significant impacts on our mental life. So the Bible actually gives us a tremendous amount of instruction on how we should live and how that impacts our mental health. Now, you might be thinking the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about rules around mental health at all. I don't see coping skills or anything like that or, you know, prevention plans or anything inside of the Bible. But what you do find is laws and ways to live and each of those things, believe it or not, have impact on your mental life. And if you don't believe me, let's go to what might be the most historically known and well-known rules in the Bible, the Ten Commandments, and let's examine how those Ten Commandments actually have an impact on our day-to-day mental state and our mental life and mental health in general. So the Bible is given to us in different books and different sections. And one of those sections is the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible, which gives a chronicle of the Jewish people leaving slavery in Egypt and adventuring eventually to the land of Canaan or the promised land. But in transition, a lot of stuff happens. And one of those things is God begins to give laws or rules for life to a man named Moses, who's the deliverer of the Jews from the land of Egypt. And Uh, also their leader during their time wandering around in the wilderness. And in those instructions, he gives 10 laws or 10 rules that they should live by. The first three deal with our relationship with the spirit and the last seven or six or seven, the first four, maybe the, they deal with our relationships with one another. Let's look at them very quickly, one at a time, and just ask ourselves, how does this actually impact our mental health? The first one, is this, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, the Jews were coming out of the land of Egypt where there was a pantheon of gods they were very familiar with. But in today's world, we have a wide-ranging number of gods that we can bow down and worship. And when our worship is misordered, it has dramatic impacts on our spirit, and our spirit informs and then reorders our soul, the way that we think, our worldview, and the way that we examine our world. When our worship is out of order, our spirit is impacted, And through that, so is their disorder inside of our soul, inside of our thoughts, our emotions, our mind, and our will. If we worship the wrong things, let's say we bow down and worship through the way that we live objects or a person or a relationship, and we don't give our ultimate worship to the God above, it has an impact on who we are. The next one, and it impacts our mental health. The next one is this, you shall make for yourself no, you shall never make for yourself 
an image in the form of anything in heaven above or in earth below. You shall now bow down and worship idols. This once again deals with our worship, but it also taps into something deeper. God is saying to value things correctly, and it's going to pair with the third commandment in just a moment. The idol, the form of idol worship that we're talking about here for the Jews was literally worshiping little stone or metal or wooden objects. The Egyptians did this all of the time, something they were very familiar with, and it would be something that would happen with Baal whenever they got to the land of Canaan. And God is warning them against that because in his word, he actually says that we are image bearers. In the Hebrew, in that passage, that we are image bearers passage is the same word that's used for idol or image bearer. The image bearer of a god in wood or stone was given to humanity. And what God's saying is don't overvalue the objects of this world and thus undervalue people, the people that I've placed around you. When we overvalue objects and we in metaphorical senses, bow down to worship, whether it be the new board game, the new video game, or our latest nerd obsession, what we end up doing is overvaluing objects and undervaluing people. And instead of loving people and using things, we love things and we use people. This directly impacts our relational health, which has a huge impact on our mental health. Relational turmoil is one of the key indicators of a negative mental experience as well. And like I said, it actually pairs with commandment number three, which is you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shouldn't take his name in vain. And this is all about what's holy and sacred and what isn't. When we mistreat things that should be holy or sacred, it builds in us a spirit of pessimism and pessimism dampens our heart and damages our mental state. This is once again about what we value. And in this case, what God is saying, not only don't overvalue objects, but don't undervalue your relationship with me understand that my name and my ways are sacred, holy, and set apart and should be treated as thus. Don't buy in to a spirit of pessimism that will darken your heart and break down your soul. God then transitions and he begins talking more about the way that we relate to ourselves and the way we relate to one another with commandment number three. And he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. He's talking here about rest. He's telling us that we're not infinite beings. In fact, the primary sin of humanity in the Garden of Eden was to be like God. They wanted to stop being human and to begin being infinite, but they weren't created to be infinite. And when you and I fill our schedule so much that we have no margin and we don't take a Sabbath, we work seven days a week and we go nonstop, it's this core belief that we can be like God. But you and I aren't God. We're created as finite, limited beings that simply, well, we can't be everything and everywhere and all things to all people. And a day of rest and a night of sleep reminds us of the fact that while God doesn't have to rest, he chose to rest to set the example so that we would live within our created order. The flip side of that is he tells us to work six days. And so if you won't work, the Bible also teaches that you won't eat. So both overworking and not working are sins in the kingdom of God. And when we live outside of that created order, we have punishments and consequences that are associated with that. If you won't work, you very likely will be led down a path towards anxiety, depression, and fear. And if you overwork, it's stress, being overwhelmed, and always feeling like 
you're insufficient. Both have dramatic negative impacts on our mental state. Next, he says, honor your father and mother. And you might be thinking that you don't have a father and mother that are worthy of honor. And I totally understand that. I'm one of the lucky ones who does. But this is more about the posture of our heart. Are we honoring the people that are deserving of honor in our lives? Do we understand the submission to authority? Because when we don't honor people well, and we don't understand the importance of submission to godly, God-honoring authority in our lives, it has huge impacts, not just on our mental state, but also on our reputation in all other aspects of our life. I know we have sort of like, if you're growing up in America, like I have, you might have this burden of kind of being independent and individualistic, but those things are pretty foreign to the word of God. In fact, when we decide to follow Jesus, we don't just choose a savior saving us from sin and death, but we also choose a Lord, meaning he's owner and master. And the scripture teaches us that he must become both savior and must become Lord. When we don't live under the lordship of Jesus, we live underneath the lordship and submission of something else. And those things often wreak havoc on our mental state. The next one is you shall not murder. And Jesus would continue this in his sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five, say, not only should you not murder, but even if you hate somebody, curse somebody, or say raka, teach someone, teach, treat someone with contempt, that it has a huge negative impact on our lives. There's tons of research that shows that people who harbor bitterness and hatred and refuse to forgive others pay for that in negative mental health consequences. The next one is you should not commit adultery. And Jesus in Matthew 5 would take this further as well and say, don't even lust after a woman in your heart. For those of us who have experienced pornography addiction or struggled with lust throughout our life knows that there are very real consequences for that. It actually digs grooves inside of our brain. Lust has a way of addicting us to it. And then beyond that, it also has a way of keeping us chained to it. And it releases chemicals in our brain that are for connection that were meant to be part of a beautiful thing inside of a married relationship, which is sex. It was supposed to connect us to our spouse, but instead it has this way of detracting from that whenever we experience lust and sexual exertion outside of our bedroom in our marriage. That's where it's supposed to belong. It's supposed to be a blessing there. And when we allow it to live outside of that, Jesus tells us that it actually will destroy us. And biologically, we know that when that chemical for connection gets released inside our brain and does doesn't connect with somebody, it actually leaves us lethargic and depressed and hurt rather than uplifted and connected how it was always intended to work. The next one is you shall not steal. And this one, along with the next two, actually have to deal with our relationships with one another. You shall not steal or give false testimony or lie or cover your neighbor's house. Shouldn't be jealous of what your neighbor has. These three have to deal with the way that we connect to one another. And it all has to do with relational health. If you're willing to lie and you're willing to steal and you harbor jealousy in your heart, which breeds discontentment in your soul, well, those things will lead you to very negative relationship states, which will lead you to a very negative mental state. All of this to say that the Bible certainly is not silent when it comes to our mental health. In fact, it's quite vocal, but it's not vocal in necessarily how do you deal with depression today or anxiety right now. Instead, it is very vocal about the fact that if we follow the rules and the ways that God has created us, that it will go well for us. Now, that doesn't mean that if you do the things that we talked about, if you go find a 
job if you don't have one, if you take a Sabbath, that immediately all of your mental issues or disorders or things will evaporate overnight. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't see a professional counselor or that you can pray away something that you're dealing with in your mental health. I have a professional counselor that I see on a regular basis, both for counseling and for maintenance, and I would not trade that for the world. Brady has become a dear friend and a trusted confidant, and I am so thankful that I have him in my life. I also have accountability partners, other people that I talk to on a regular basis to confess my sins and get stuff off of my chest. I am by no means saying that you can pray away negative mental health realities. What I am saying is, if we live outside of the way God created us, ordained us, and designed us to live, there are natural consequences for those decisions. God has placed those things in our world to help guide and direct us. So examine your life. Are you actually breaking the Ten Commandments? Are you living lazily? Are you embracing lust? Are you worshiping other gods? Are you bowing down to other metaphorical idols in your life right now? Are you not treating sacred what is sacred and instead have you embraced pessimism? Are you living in a state of bitterness and unforgiveness, of hatred and not in love? What areas of your life are living outside of the way God designed you to live? And I bet you if you can identify those and begin making changes to them, you'll also see a dramatic improvement to your spiritual, your mental, and your physical health because they're all connected. Thank you guys for listening to this week's Bible Thump. We appreciate you. I hope this has been helpful. And if you want to check out more, you can actually check us out on YouTube. If you want to check us out, feel free to reach out to me or something. There's a full sermon and a full series on mental health if you want to dig in a little bit further. I hope you have a fantastic day, and we'll see you next week on Bible Thump. 